Welcome to Monday and Dow of the Day. That's right. It's time to talk about the Dow. What are we going to find today? What magic does the Dow have for us? And what are we going to do with it? I am your host, Martin John, and uh, every weekday I come on in the morning at some point, uh, Central Time, and talk about the Dow. What I ask of you is to join me, pick a number between 1 and 81, and we will uh, read your Dow for the day. The Dow translates as the canon of reason, and it is all about living a reasonable life with others and in nature. The Dow is kind of like the universe or God or however you want to put it, uh, however you want to describe it. It is all things. It is where everything emanates from and everything returns. So the Tao Te Ching uh, being like the universe of reason, the the, the whole of everything re resides in the Tao. And we are here for you to come pick a number between 1 and 81, and I would be happy to read that out for you. Uh, with nobody coming on at the moment, I'm going to pick a number. I'm going to pick number one. I don't think that anybody has picked one. I don't think I've read one yet. So we're just going to start with one. The Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. The unnameable is the eternally real. Naming is the origin of all particular things. Free from desire, you realize the mystery. Caught in desire, you see only the manifestations. Yet, mystery and manifestations arise from the same source. The source is called darkness. Darkness within darkness, the gateway to all understanding. So this is the first verse or first chapter of the Tao. And it's a big one. This is something that means so much to me. And you know, I'm getting emotional right now. And I really don't know why I can't I can't even I can't even tell you why uh, this is making me emotional, but it is and I want to I want to go through this if anybody has a number for me, definitely join me. And we can talk about your Tao for the day. But mine starts with the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. And this is, this is so important. It's so important to understand that if you can express it, that's not it. I don't care what you're talking about, even if you're talking about a wall, even if you're talking about anything, but we're going to talk about life. We're going to talk about people. We're going to talk about God. We're going to be talking about all of these kind of big ideas. You know, I, I, the Bible is a big book. I'll give you that. It's got a lot of pages, got a lot of words, print is small, like all sorts of stuff. But if you were to say, you know, like the God that can be told, the God that can be explained, the God that can be described is not the eternal God. If you can, if, if you can wrap your mind around that, that idea that like that God that is the Tao, right? The Tao, the universe, all of these things. If you can simply describe it, that is not it, son. Like there is no way that you can, even me, right? If you were to describe me, you wouldn't get me, right? If you were to try and just chalk me up to some 
words or chalk me up to some experience or chalk me up to something like you know like it's true I had an addiction problem before I mean, if you were even to just call me he's a recovering ag addict that and continued to express all of these things you could you, you could ruin your voice before ever even coming close to figuring out or to understanding or to describing that which I am because everything you would say would limit me and you would have to make that infinitesimentally, infinitely more grand and bigger because I am and, and I can't be described. I can't simply be just a collection of words that you happen to know, right? Like there are words that you don't even know that may describe me and you wouldn't be able to do that without that vocabulary and maybe those words aren't even maybe those words haven't even been discovered yet right words are so lacking a lot of people really love language and, and language is great but it is so lacking in all that is so the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. And I don't know necessarily what he means here by name. Maybe, maybe he's even just talking about the name Tao. Maybe it's like the eternal name. And, and so the name that can be named is not the eternal name. Like, and the last time the word name is used, it's capitalized. So maybe that is referencing the Tao, but Tao isn't capitalized here in this in this section of this chapter so i'm not exactly sure and i it should be said that this is a translation of course um but my guess is in the translation there were you know ways of understanding these things uh that stephen mitchell was able to gather um that's 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 my guess whether or not i'm i'm right on that i have no idea but the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. So if you can, if you can call it something, then it's not it, right? It, it is not what you think it is. If you can describe it as something, if you say this is bad, that's not it. You know, like you, you're, you're just, you're just trying to understand it. And, uh, and our desire to understand things, we have named everything in the planet, on the planet, in our experience. We've named things that, I mean, we've created names for things that we've experienced. We've created names for things we see. And all of these names, that is not the eternal name for it. That is not what it is. You know, if you say stone, well, that's not what this is. It's not a stone. It's not the eternal of what this is. There's consciousness in here. There's life in here. And I know we like to think of stones as not having life and not being, not being conscious, but they are. It's, I mean, we've, we've, we've discovered that. We've discovered that it is made up of things that are living, right? Um, in, in ways that we, you know, don't understand yet, but there is change happening. It's not living in the way that we understand life. It's not going to have children, you know, it's not going to, it's not, it doesn't have internal functioning the way, you know, we like to think of living things 
But if you can name that, if you can just call it stone, well, that's not the eternal name of this. This is something more than that. This is everything that we can touch, everything that we can see deserves to, to be unnamed. Deserves to be what it is right now. And doesn't, doesn't deserve to be encapsulated into some name, doesn't deserve to be shrunk into something. You deserve the universe as it is, not as you perceive it to be. Everything we call something, everything we have a name for, encloses our perception more, and then we live in a little box. We live in a box. The moment we start to name things, the moment we start to associate something as separate, we start to close ourselves off to the grandness of what we are. So if we separate ourselves from a stone, a tree, another person, then we are limiting not only that thing, but ourselves as well. So here, uh, this is Tao of the Day, and this is chapter one of the Tao, one that I have not read yet. The Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. If you can name anything, then you are just limiting it. The unnameable is the eternally real. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if you can go without describing what something is, if you can go without trying to make it something else, make it separate, make it a, a thing in the world that isn't blessed with you as, a, as, as part of it, with part of you as part of it, if you separate that thing, it is not eternally real. It is not in your mind. It as soon as you name something, it loses so much of what it is. The unnameable is the eternally is the eternally real. And if we can if we can avoid naming, then we can we can touch everything so well. Oh man! Oh man! <laughs> that's a that's a, a thing I do now, and I appreciate it. Um, the unnameable is the eternally real. Naming, naming is the origin of all particular things, right? So once you start naming things, you start separating, you start making things particular. I read, a, I read one of these verses, I don't recall which one it was, but I was talking about a boat. You know, we were talking about the idea that we allow circumstances to complete us. And when you allow a circumstance to complete you, you are not holding on to a name. I, I was talking about this in the realm of let's, and, and this immediately starts with naming and identifying. Let's create a boat. Right? Let's create something that looks and can act like a boat. You put it in the water. And you think, oh, now the boat is complete. Right? We've allowed circumstances to complete the boat. Now that it is floating in the water, now that it is able to, you know, extend itself to the point of being useful. But then if we take that same boat 
and position it in a way that is interesting and put it in the middle of the desert. The name boat doesn't fit anymore, but it was in the naming of the boat that gave us all of the ideas about what this can be and what this is. This is a really great analogy here because now maybe the boat became a sculpture or the boat became public art, right? Once again, turning to this concept of naming. Now that we have a name for it, we can limit it to its possibilities. You know, I utilize the term boat so you know what to think about. And then we start looking at sculpture, we start looking at public art, we start looking at, you know, whatever, whatever we want to call it, but naming limits what it is. Naming immediately starts to put us in the position of having preconceived ideas of what it is this is and what the purpose of this is and so that we can understand it in our own minds. Why do we want to do that? Because we want purpose, because we're searching for purpose. But the thing is, is being is our purpose and being here, being present. Once you start to separate things, once you start to describe things, you start to make things good and bad and right and wrong and, and all of these things start to get in the way of you being eternally real, always. Naming is the origin of all particular things. And that's how, that's how I see all that, right? Like once you start to name something, you say this is the extent that it can exist. And this is when it will have achieved its potential. The thing is, is, if we didn't name it, its potential would be limitless. It could be anything at any moment. And we wouldn't have to limit it to one thing. And we go back to the beginning where it's like the Tao cannot be told. It is not. It, the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. Once we call it a boat, it ceases to have use when it has a hole in it. And then it's just trash. And that's not true. Right? It is just no longer useful for doing a thing that we expected the boat to do. But that doesn't mean it doesn't have value. That doesn't mean that it can't be of service. It is only not of service in within the naming of it. Free from desire, you realize the mystery. Once you can, once you can no longer attach yourself to the preconceived ideas that your name and your identity have, you can realize the mystery that is all around you. You can realize the mystery of the world that is around you at all times. And you can be anything and everything and you can embrace all that you are without having to define what you are, without having to attach yourself to this identity, without having to be 
something without having to achieve something. You can just be here now as you are. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's so beautiful. Free from desire, you realize the mystery. Caught in desire, you only see, you see only the manifestation. And this is the manifestation, people. That is around us all the time. Can you separate yourself from the manifestation? Because the manifestation catches us in desire. Free from desire, you realize the mystery. Caught in desire, you see only the manifestation. You see only what is physically in front of you. When you caught wanting, wanting other people to be more like you. When you're caught in wanting more manifestation, more stuff, more money, more attention, more love. You only see the manifestation. You only can see that which you are receiving within the manifestation, even though the mystery, within the mystery, you are receiving so much more. And there's so much more just on the other side of that veil. And that's where you're at. Free from desire, you realize the mystery, the mystery that you are, the mystery that life is. And when you're caught in desire, you see only the manifestations. So this is Tao of the Day for anybody that's joining me. Tao of the Day is a place where you can come on, pick a number between 1 and 81, and I will happily read through uh, the Tao with you and run through it line by line so we can understand what the Tao is saying. I'm reading chapter one for myself, and if anybody wants to join me, please feel free to just jump in. If you have any comments about this chapter one, I would love to chat with you about that as well. Yet, mystery and manifestations arise from the same source. See, and this is, you know, this is something that, that is really interesting to me. You know, this, this mystery and manifestations arise from the same source. You know, the manifestations, like you manifest things, right? And, and the mystery, unlike, the mystery is unlike the manifestation. The mystery is the space that the structure, I see the mystery as being the space that the structure of reality creates. So reality is, uh, is a structure. And it is structured with perceptions and names and all of these things. The mystery is underneath all of that. The mystery is beyond the manifestation. And so the, the manifestation and the mystery exists without the manifestation as well. But the manifestation is where we are all kind of existing at the moment. And so by being, uh, by understanding that we have uh, created and we are existing within the manifestation, um, but there is mystery that is both above and below the manifestation that we have access to, we can recognize that it arises from the same source. This source is called darkness. Now that's an interesting um that's an interesting way of putting it. And I don't know if what he's saying here is the source is called darkness, which is the source is nothing. 
you know, like the source is not doing, the source is not being, the source is never, you know, like, you know, the eternal Tao, Tao was never born, it says in here somewhere, right? Like, so if you are looking at this idea that it doesn't exist in manifestation, then it exists in darkness. The source is called darkness, and from the darkness comes both mystery and manifestation, and comes all things. That's kind of how I see this, because manifestation is all things, and the mystery is the thing that drives us. Free from desire, you realize the mystery, you realize your connection, you realize your fullness, you realize your potential. Caught in desire, you only see the manifestations, the manifestations being the limits. As we said earlier, when we were talking about naming, the name that can be named isn't the eternal name. And so when you are looking at this space of like manifestations, we see or experience something and from there we name it. And by naming it, we have limited it to this space of manifestation. And we don't realize we don't realize the mystery behind it. We don't realize the life behind it. We don't realize the depth. I mean, I don't know how many people have met me and think they understand me and, and, and miss so much. I'm not trying to say like, oh, I'm so deep. But I am saying that like how many people have met every single per person on this planet and just chalked them up to being something that they are definitely not. That is getting caught in the manifestation. When you're caught in desire, you expect everybody else to be caught in desire as well. This is how you perceive things. Now, when you can free yourself from desire, you realize the mystery, and then you allow everything around you to be what it is without having to name it. And that frees you. That frees you so much from wanting other people, wanting other things. It frees you so much from your grievances. You don't have to be aggrieved anymore because you don't want people to be anything anymore. You want people to be who they are. Yeah, I saw a meme the other day that said angry people um, want to prove their power to you. And happy people or loving people it was. It was loving people want to prove your power to you. Right? Want to show you your power. Angry people want to show you their power. Loving people want to show you your power. So whose power are you out there trying to show? Whose power are you trying to display out there? Are you sure? Like, there's also a line in the Tao that says, those who need to prove their point aren't wise. Wise people don't need to prove their point. People who need to prove their point aren't wise. Like, if you need to prove your point, then you're out there you know, trying to um, show other people your power. Yet the mystery and manifestation arise from the same source. You have access to both. The source is called darkness. Now, if you're angry, that could be a dark place. But if you're still and loving, trust me, being loving is a dark place. Darkness within darkness the gateway to all understanding. Getting beyond that darkness, getting beyond, Allison's going to join me, getting beyond all of that 
it's such a beautiful way to experience um, how we live. Allison, how are you? Do I gotcha? Uh-oh, guest has left. Okay, so uh, Allison, Allison left. Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe something happened. If if Allison is still here and you wanted to come on, please do. Maybe I missed it and I didn't, I didn't see it fast enough. But either way, darkness within darkness, the gateway to understanding. Hmm. Darkness within darkness. Darkness within darkness. I'm not exactly sure about that. I may have stumbled upon it already. Yet mystery and yet mystery and manifestation arise from the same source. The source is called darkness. Mystery is dark. And the manifestation is dark as well. So maybe darkness within darkness, the gateway to all understanding. You know, understanding takes quite a bit. Understanding others, understanding yourself, and understanding that there's no limit. You know, the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. And if you want to understand that, you have to recognize that the manifestation, the Tao that can be told is not the eternal, the name that can be named is not the eternal name. What we try to do is name things within the manifestation, and by naming things within the manifestation, we create this, this gateway to, to understanding. Hmm. You know, by naming things, we, we attempt to understand them. But the name that can be named is not the eternal name. So once we free ourselves, whoa, I think I understand what's going on here. Okay, so it is a path, right? Like in order for us to be able to free ourselves from desire, we have to first get caught in desire. And we get caught in desire by very simply creating manifestation manifestation we embody by naming that which we experience so then we we subjugate the manifestation to a smaller experience the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. the name that can be named is not the eternal name so god isn't what we can express and the things around us aren't what we can call them it's much more than that and we are much more than that the unnameable is the eternally real the thing that you cannot name all of those emotions that you have within you that you can't describe anytime you said oh, i just i just don't know what i'm feeling i don't know what i'm doing those are the things that um are eternally real naming is the origin of particular things I'm going to have a guest. Tori, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. Well, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So this is Dow of the Day. First, first, I, I, I want to check in. Do you, are, are you familiar with what we do here? No. As a matter of fact, I was just kind of uh, browsing the channels and um, I was listening in and I just had a couple questions as to um, certain terminology that you're using. I just wanted to know, just kind of get filled in on what the Dow is and 
Um, <laughs> questions that I have about what you're talking about in terms of, uh, I guess, darkness. Out of darkness comes manifestation, so on and so forth. Okay, well, uh, this is Down with the Day, and Down with the Day is a program I do uh, Monday through Friday in the morning, sometime in Central Time. And what I do is I ask people to come up and pick a number between one and eighty-one. The uh, the Tao is an ancient text written six hundred BC, and it consists of eighty-one chapters or verses. And and uh, the Tao Te Ching translates as as I describe it as the canon of reason. It is a way, uh, it, is a, it is a guide to living a reasonable life. So that's what the Tao is. And um, the idea of manifestation uh, being coming from darkness is because uh, what I was kind of contemplating was this number one uh, first chapter of the Tao, which states, I'll read it completely through for you, uh, the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. You can look at the Tao as possibly, you know, like a god. So the god that can be told or explained is not the eternal god. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. Uh, I was looking at that as being like, you know, once you've, once you've given something a name, you have limited its potential uh, to being that which you are naming it. The unnameable is the eternally real. Naming is the origin of all particular things. Free from desire, you realize the mystery. Caught in desire, you see the only the manifestations. Yet, mystery and manifestation arise from the same source. This source is called darkness. Darkness within darkness, the gateway to all understanding. And so what I was doing uh, was I read that, and then I started going through it line by line, and you must have come in when I was kind of talking about manifestation and darkness, obviously. So um, does that help? Yes, it does. Thank you very much. And I did have some questions, um, but I really I'm interested in what you're putting together here. Yeah. Well, why don't you do you have a number between one and eighty one? Sure. Let's say sixty. Six zero. Yes. Yes. OK. I just wanted to make sure. OK, this one's this one's uh, short, but sweet. So governing a large country is like frying a small fish. You spoil it with too much poking. Center your country in the Tao, and evil will have no power. Not that it isn't there, but you'll be able to step out of the way of out of its way. Give evil nothing to oppose, and it will disappear by itself. So, any initial thoughts? Interesting. Um, so, I'm I'm thinking about this particular uh, text that you're reading, um, and the power of evil. So one way that I look at evil is evil cannot exist without an opposing uh, opposite, which would be good, you know, and I think that that, I suppose that makes sense. If there's nothing to contest evil, then it would disappear. But the question then becomes, is evil still evil? Or did we just replace evil with, with uh, since it has nothing opposing it? Is it now just uh, a nameless entity because there's nothing opposing it? Or is it in nature still evil? You know what I'm saying? What do you think about that? Well, I think immediately you have um, 
let's go through this line by line, and then we'll because uh, I, I do I do think you're you're onto something, but I think you're uh, I think there's there there is something that I will say to that when we get there. Um, so governing so so when when the Dow talks about governing a, a small country or governing people or other things, I always like to look at that as like your body could be a large country, your your family could be a large country, right? Like like I don't want to just because not all of us are necessarily going to govern a large country. So we have to be able to take little things away from it. So when governing a, a small country, it's like frying a small fish. You spoil it with too much poking. What are your thoughts there? Well, poking, I suppose, in, sm uh, um, uh, in frying a small fish, I suppose the reason people would poke fish is to see, I mean, I would want to see if it's done yet. I would want to see the consistency um, how how long I've um, how long I still need to cook it that kind of thing but I suppose um, you can relate that to I, I don't know micromanaging a country uh, having too more your body yes you're right so um, like, right I think that makes sense I think that seems yeah to like when you're constantly checking in and being like did I do this right is it done am I good is this okay is this you know like you're always checking in with your mind you're poking away you're poking away you're trying to trying to figure shit out all the time trying to trying to judge it as to a standard you know when we talk about judging uh, like governing a small fish like or governing us <laughs> not governing a small fish but governing a large country you know like that like always kind of poking at and, and fixing and trying to, to make your, your citizenry do what you want them to do, then, you know, always trying to control people and put them in a box and, and, and understand them as a whole, like that can really spoil, that can spoil your, uh, that can spoil your country. People can get really frustrated with having to be described as or prescribed something or described as something or, or, or expressed as something. It's like, wait, no, I am me. I am not just your constituent that you think wants this one thing, you know, like, so that's kind of how I see that. And I think it's in line with what you were saying pretty close. So center your country. And again, we want to look at this, you know, on the grand and the micro scale. So center your body or your understanding of the thing that you are governing in the Tao and evil will have no power. Now, this is when we start getting into the idea of evil. When you have a when you're governing a large country. You want to keep evil out, right? Absolutely. You know, um, and when you are keeping evil out like that is amongst your citizens as well as your neighbors um, and in your body you might very well want to keep out let's say cancer cancer might be an enemy cancer might be evil you might see that as evil thoughts uh yes because cancer is in indirect conflict with the uh the nature of living i suppose it's it's coming against the body. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. So center your country on the Tao and evil will have no power. Big question. Like, how is this possible? Right? What does the Tao have to offer that evil will have no power? And then it states, not that it isn't there, but you'll be able to step out of its way. 
out of its way, out of what's way? Uh, it's relating to evil. Yeah, you'll be able to step out of the way of evil. Okay, so is, does that mean that we're trying to uh, avoid it or does that mean we're overcoming it? I'm, that's what I'm trying to understand. Well, see, I think both of those things recognize evil, you know, as, 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 um, as a manifestation, right? That, that's, that's the first part of this that is, that, that gets, this is where we start getting really sort of deeper into the understanding that like within you, there is evil intrinsically, right? Within each of us, like if there is any, if there is good within us, there is evil within us, right? Like, so what we, what, what it's saying here in terms of stepping out of its way, it's like, have you ever solved a problem before the problem arose? Have you ever noticed there's like, oh my God, if I hadn't done this six weeks ago, this problem would have been a bigger problem than it is right now. Yeah, I suppose so. Sure. Yeah. This is what centering your country in the Tao means. When you are no longer like trying to control the situation, when you're not trying to poke at your fish, but you're allowing the fish to cook, when you're allowing your country to be what it is, you will flow in this space where you'll be able to step out of the way of evil before it's had its opportunity to be evil. Well, let me ask you something, though. Uh, so with this particular Tao uh, quote here, I think that there are a lot of, a lot of assumptions that go into um, having this consistency with, the, with the, uh, the metaphor, having that continue to work. There's a lot of assumptions that have to do with the interworkings of a country relating that to, uh, I guess, light versus darkness, or I mean, I guess I can't say darkness because um, out of everything, according to what you're saying, out of everything comes darkness. So, um, I mean, I'm sorry, out of everything, everything comes out of darkness. So anyway, I don't want to get caught up in this terminology, but, it, but anyway, I'm saying there's a lot of assumptions that are being made about the, the, metaphor working of um poking the fish are you can can you can you can you yeah can you ex explain that what are the metaphor what are what are the what are the assumptions being made well okay the first thing that i would say is um there's nothing there's no problem with the fish the, the fish is not going to be adversely affected because it's it's, it's being cooked it's not going to be there's not going to be any any problem with the person eating the fish if it's been poked once or 50 times. I mean, the fish is still gonna- Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. It, it, I, wanna, I wanna express frying a small fish. Right? Once you start frying a small fish, now you start, like every time you poke it, you are losing a great deal of percentage. It is not frying a fish. It is frying a small fish. Like if you were going to fry a sardine. I see. And if you poke that twice, it is gone. Okay. So a small fish having to be related to a large country, there, there's, a, there's a cascading, I mean, there is a big jump that we have to have
where the I mean, we've seen it in history. There are certain styles of government that are clearly um, supporting, uh, say, a small percentage of the population having all the power, the larger percentage of the population uh, suffering under oppression. And we can clearly see that the micromanaging aspect of that is what facilitates it. But at the same time, we can see the opposite effect of there being utter chaos and utter uh, uh, anarchy when there is a neglect of people's interests being represented by, um, by those who want to have order, by those who want to have, I, I, I think that it's a, it's a really difficult thing to um, nail down. And I also want to kind of point out that the, a very a very clear sort of understanding that needs to be needs to be had here is the fixing of this, right? Like what this what this uh, chapter is saying is center your country in the Dow. That is a very sort of that's a very pivotal anchoring line here, and understanding what the Dow is, which. I have to say is, is, is I, I don't believe you do because you did ask what the Dow was. Um, so centering your country in the Dow, center your country in the Dow and evil will have no power. And understanding that, I don't know if you're religious or not, but a lot of people would be like, have faith in God, you know, uh, and-, and I, I, I do believe in God, absolutely. Okay, so, so if you centered your country in God, not religion, Right? Not, not, not Christianity or not, not Catholicism, but if you centered your country in, in, the, in the understanding that God's got your back, evil will have no power. Does that ring truer to you? Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. I mean, again, I'm still, I'm new to this whole Tao concept, so I'm not quite ready to make the connection between God and the Tao. I, I guess I'll- Yeah, Tao is bigger than the, Tao as it relates here is bigger than God. Okay, I, I didn't understand that. I know my yeah. time is up here, but- um, You can come back on if you'd like. Okay, sure, I'd like to. <clears throat> okay, yeah, I would, I would love to have you. Um, I love introducing people to the Tao. <laughs> So um, yeah, we're gonna see if he comes back on. I would love that. Um, so it's a, if, if you are still listening, you know, the Tao is, is I, I see the Tao at least as being bigger than God, right? Uh, I see God as kind of middle management as it relates to the God, to, to the Tao. Um, and that, and that, could, that could hurt a lot of people's feelings. I don't know like how you understand God, but, um, but yeah, that's how I look at it because we have described God so much. So we, so we understand God as being something. And uh, as, as it was stating in the number one chapter, like the, the Tao that can be named or the God that can be named is not the eternal God. And, and so much of our history is trying to express and explain what God is. And the minute you try the minute you try to explain what it is, you've lost the essence of what it is. Continue. Oh, okay, yes. Um, so I was just trying to understand more about this uh, concept of the Tao that you were describing. And I thank you for giving me that clarification. You're saying that um, most people's concept 
and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're saying most people's mm -hmm. concept of God is more finite, but this Tao uh, is superseding that. Is that is that what you're saying? I, I am saying that, and I think mainly because there's been so much written around, and there's been a lot written around the Tao, don't get me wrong. There's been so much written and expressed around and through religions about what God is that, you know, we, we look at God as like being good, and we look at God as like opposing evil, <laughs> and like that Absolutely. is so short-sighted. You know, we see that as so short-sighted. We see that as being something, like I see that at least as being like, you know, if if God can't accept gay marriage, he is less accepting than I am. So I can't give that motherfucker any 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 respect. You know what I mean? Like if God but I, can't- I want you to explain that though, because I mean, rationally, if, if, if gay marriage was, and this is just one example, but if, if gay marriage was, uh, a more than a small percentage trend of the population, then doesn't it rationally make sense that there will be a sharp decline in the population over time? Who cares? Uh, who, what do you mean, who cares? I don't understand that. You don't understand? Like, it, it just means, why does it matter that the population would decline? Okay, um, I suppose, um, I, I'm still trying to understand your perspective here. I, I was understanding this whole production to be something that facilitates uh, uh, the flourishing of life, but no, something- No, no, no. I mean, like life might not flourish and that's okay. So it's okay that life does not flourish? Yeah. Now, okay, let me ask you this, and uh, I don't want to get too off topic, but um just more understanding about where you're coming yeah. from. When I hear the word darkness, and I, this is kind of what drew me in, but when I hear the word darkness, I tend to associate that with negativity, with, with a connotation of evil, because the Bible that I'm accustomed to reading does that. You know, God is light. Right. And Light is what expels darkness, you know. So when darkness, and that's why God is so, and that's why, and that's why God is so small, because he he differentiates one from the other. Where nature and the Tao is neutral, and neutrality is where you gain power. Okay, neutrality is where you gain power. I want you to expound on that a little bit, please. Everything can be used to learn and grow. If you get cancer and now you have cancer, that is an experience that you get to live, that you get to experience, that you get to have. Not everybody gets to have that experience. This is something you get to learn. This is part of your uniqueness. Now, whether you heal from that or not that's your experience and death is on the other side of your life whether that happens through cancer or old age both of those things are the experience of the individual your unique strength is the life that you're living not the life that you expect to live but the one that's actually happening right now so but my what i heard you say though 
was uh, as if to say the goal is to learn and to grow. And to me, that suggests flourishing. But at the same time, you're saying that flourishing doesn't matter. Well, learning and growing is flourishing. And if you learn and grow and end up being the last person on the planet, that's okay. doesn't matter. Like if, if we, if we as individual, because what we're doing is we're contributing to the consciousness, we're contributing to the God body, right? Not, not physical body, but the God mind, right? We are contributing to that. And as we contribute to that, we are, we do not need to describe these things as good or bad or right and wrong. All of that is preconceived. All of that is a, is a. All of that is reaching for understanding, but being here is beyond understanding. You know, one thing that I like to do um, when I am uh, investigating different schools of thought, different uh, ideologies is, and this is something that I recently learned with my own um, quote unquote religion, but I, I, I don't classify myself as religious, but um, mm -hmm. with my upbringing in Christianity, um, this is something that I've recently had to discipline myself to do. Mm -hmm. um, what I've had to do is look at my practical life and see how it corresponds to that which I am uh, adopting as a, as a, I guess, train of thought from religion, train of thought. And I have to be honest with myself. So, so this is what I'm trying to, I'm trying to do the same thing with what you're saying. So, um, in my practical life, it doesn't make sense for me to go to work every day if I don't have a goal in mind to procure safety, security, uh, a, a household, a home for my family, to, to, uh, to attain certain luxuries, certain privileges, certain uh, um, entitlements. I mean, so there is a, there is a definite uh, um, thing that I'm reaching for. And I think that life basically would not would we would not understand life to be anything if there is no if there is no positive goal that we're reaching for, and I think that the very definition of darkness and 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 uh, uh, negativity um, is by by general consensus of the entire world going against what what. Uh, people generally get out of bed in the morning to achieve, to attempt to achieve every day. Can you kind of, can you kind of comment to that? Yeah, I think that's all driven by fear. Um, your, your, uh, like if people get out of bed to achieve a goal, they are missing the point of their life. I think if people get out of bed to reach a goal, that goal defines who they are. And that's not true. You being here is enough. And you're worthy of love. And you're worthy of having. And you're worthy of receiving without having to get out of bed only because you have to achieve something. Let me ask you, do you have children? No. Um, I believe, I mean, this is, I don't mean to be, uh, I don't know. No, no, no. I know where you're are, going with this. Go on. Uh, if you, if you happen to have children, then perhaps your opinion would change. And basically, um, you're right. If I had children, I would, I would surround myself with more fear.
You're okay, absolutely but right. Let me ask you, what what is is fear a neutral topic or is fear negative? Well, it depends on how you look at it. Fear is fear is neutral. In your respects, it's negative. Yeah, I absolutely see fear as negative. I actually, I absolutely see fear as an enemy. So yes, you I have would... to to the Tao also states to have an enemy is to be an enemy. That is a that is a quote from the Tao. Just so you can hold on to that. Okay, but is that particular? But is that necessarily wrong though? I mean, does does the Tao define? If you want to be an enemy, that's fine. It's absolutely okay. If Again, you want enemies, then be an enemy all you want. It there's seems, no, there's no, it's not, it's not right or wrong. There is no right and wrong. Like that's the whole point. But the, why does the Tao make a distinction? Why does the Tao go through the trouble of making a distinction when it, when it seems to be futile anyway, between right and wrong? Well, it's this, well, the, the distinction exists and it is recognizing the distinction, right? Center yourself in the Tao and evil will have no power. Not that it isn't there, but you'll be able to step out of its way. Give evil nothing to oppose, and it will disappear by itself. Okay, again, if it doesn't matter, then why? And this is my problem. I'm, I, it's like a lot of trouble going into something that that becomes inconsequential. You know, I, I don't, I don't understand. Um, so, if there's a difference between light and darkness, this is the way the the human eye works. Uh, the human eye would go blind if if all it sees is is uh, white paint, uh, like for the example of, um, um, I believe in Mexico years ago, um, uh, there was some type of, and just bear with me, but there was some type of a government situation where they decided to paint everything white and then people's eyes started losing the ability to discern uh, white from darkness because all they're getting, all the stimuli they had is just white. So with contrast, it's important to see, to be able to navigate through your environment. So there's a function behind contrast. And what I'm trying to decide is, is this Tao facilitating the function that we need for life, or is it just going to dismiss it all because it's uncomfortable with people having a position about good and bad? Oh. Now I'm I'm although I would consider myself a scholar of the Tao, even though I haven't studied it professionally or anything. I just I, I I've been you know going through the Tao for you know, fifteen years or so. Um, I would you know like it's interesting because so much of your assumptions uh, lie in the manifestation, right? The idea of the human eye, and and you know there are plenty of blind people that can navigate the world just fine. And what is wrong with being blind? Like, why is that, why is that something that for you is something that is not, well, not it's very, acceptable? It's very simple. If you look at the human body, it is a machine that is fine-tuned. It very, if you look at every element of this body, um, uh, every component not only serves a purpose, but it serves it in such a manner that is in perfect balance, of, or I would say that is very uh, efficiently um, facilitating uh, how we function in life. And that is a, that is a, that's a quantifiable um, uh, measurement 
that is it's, it's out of the realm of just abstract or or just uh, philosophical. You can actually quantify. No, this isn't philosophical, and I think we have to recognize the idea that, like you know, the frontal lobe, which is the area which you know you are uh, you're experiencing most of the manifestation, um, is very young and it defends itself quite a bit. Um, that's an what's that? That's an assumption of evolution, right there. The frontal lobe is young. That's an assumption that well, we have. Well, well, it is. I mean, it's only really started to kind of take effect in the human body over the last three, four thousand years. Again, again, you're assuming that. I don't think that's scientifically based. Okay, uh, you can look it up, but um, I mean, I can if you want to connect with me on Instagram, I can send you some articles. I'd be happy to. Um, okay. So. Um, the gut brain, right? Your your reptilian brain and your heart brain, your uh, limbic brain. I, these are uh, brains that are much older, and these are brains that have um, much more sort of like so. And I don't know your relationship with science and, and and the body, but like there there is a cluster of neurological cells in your stomach, and there's a cluster of neurological cells in your heart. Um, yeah. Yes. Okay, so this is your gut brain and heart brain. These are very old, right? These are these have access to information, um, and you know, so time doesn't exist, as as I'm sure you're you're familiar. Um, so the gut brain has access to much more um, information than the heart brain, and the heart brain has much more, access to much more information than the head brain, your frontal lobe. Your frontal lobe is um, is something that created. You know, so the frontal lobe does something, right? The frontal lobe does a very specific thing. And if we look at these brains, and you can come back on if you'd like. <clears throat> so I'm going to explain the three brains for you, just as as we understand it. All right. So the gut brain allowed us to survive uh, as beings um, way way back when. And, um, you know, this is, you know, before Homo sapiens sapiens, right, at the, at the dawn of time kind of thing. Um, this is, you know, helped us survive, pushed us to the limit, kept us pushing ourselves forward uh, through the experience. Then we moved into relationships. Now, relationships, what ended up happening with relationships once we started getting into the heart brain the, the limbic brain sort of realm. We started building, you know, families, communities, uh, things like that. But they were still nomadic. They were still, uh, but they were, but they were together. They bound together. They, 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 we started, we started planting things, but not farming. Farming came with the onset of the frontal lobe because the frontal lobe is the only part of the uh, brain system that could have imagined the organization of the world, right? So our economic system, once again, very young relatively to our experience. The uh, education system, very young to our experience. The, uh, the, 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 all of the systems that we have today that you are you know, claiming are the things that we need to uh, uphold are really relatively less than, you know, less than 4,000 years old you know, most of these things and, uh, very young, like, and we did, we did so much better before then. I mean, there's, 
hundreds of thousands of years of existence without the frontal lobe, without education the way we understand it, without your job, without, right? Like without all of those things that you say are essential to life, actually are very, very young and don't really have any bearing whatsoever to do on life. It only has to do with the system that was created. And when we talk about the Tao, we say, okay, well, we want to be centered in the Tao. And we are currently not. We are currently centered in our systems. And our systems have created things like fear to the extent that now everybody defends. Have you ever heard of Stockholm Syndrome? Yes, I have. Yes. Okay. That is what I would, I would, if you and I were talking, I would be like, you know, you might want to look at that. <laughs> you might want to look at the fact that you're defending the thing that is taking from you and the thing that is giving you fear. The thing that is causing you the most fear is the thing that you're defending. And but that is interesting to me. I would have to accept that the fear is what my motivation is. And that's what you're insisting is the case. Well, that's what you said. Uh, so when someone gets out of the bed in the morning in order to go to work every day to procure a life for their, for their family, I think that you're suggesting that that's fear. And that's, I'm not saying that. If that is the reason you're going, because you need to make your life like if you're getting if you're getting up to go to work because you love the work you do. Because you are like in line with who you are because you are like enthused about doing what you do that's one thing but when you're saying i need to make a life for my kids and if i don't go to work that won't happen then that's fear yeah <clears throat> i would i would definitely say that that's that that's coming from a fear well um just just to be just to be uh like again like again what I usually do with certain challenges to, to my um, thought process is lately, later in my life, you know, now, um, like I said before, I have to start challenging some of the belief systems that I've had. And what I do is I relate it to practicality. So in practicality, I mm -hmm. know what fear is. If I see a ferocious, you know, uh, dog, say, say 15 feet in front of me as I'm walking down the street, then I understand fear, what fear is. However, if I see, say, a little child who's about to walk in front of a oncoming car, I'm not afraid of the child as I would be afraid of the dog. I'm afraid that the child might get hurt. But see, um, I'm <clears throat> so fear would paralyze me with the dog, but fear motivates me with the child. And mm -hmm. so, what I understand is in practicality, the motivation of me getting out of bed in the morning is not the same as the motivation of, you know, I'm gonna like say if I were a slave and I didn't get up and pick this cotton every morning, then the, the master would slash my back. I mean, I would be afraid then. <clears throat> that would be my motivation versus me out of uh, what I would characterize as out of a out of, out of a responsibility, out of love, out of I have an obligation to protect. Now, see, I I, I want to just make sure I walk the line of dis, of distinguishing 
what I'm describing to you before we just um, cast that generalization of the word fear on everything. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you you look at fear as being a very different thing. Like, like, like you, I, I, again, I, I can't, I can't speak to that. I mean, I can't speak to how you define it. I would, I would define it as, I would define your actions as being fear-based and I, and I would define your description of how one should live their life as fear-based. I would do that. Like, um, and I am, and I am, and I am doing that because like, you're saying like, I have an obligation to my family. And I was like, really? not really. I mean, you, you have, you have decided to be obliged to your family in these ways. And you're right. I don't have children. I had a vasectomy when I was 26. That was 40 years ago or 20 years ago. And, um, and because I knew that I didn't want children so um, you're, and I didn't, then I'm 45. I'm 45. Yeah, now. we're the same age. <clears throat> I'm 46. This is an interesting dynamic here. Let me ask you something, if if I may. Mm -hmm. um, are you familiar with uh, the term circular reasoning? Yeah. Okay. Um, the reason I ask you that is because um, I'm it, again I'm trying to identify my thoughts. I'm trying to. Um, get some grounding to what I say I believe in. And my part of mm -hmm. my exercise is challenging my own thought process and looking at my own limitations, my own mandatory limitations. And one thing that I understand is I cannot prove my own existence. And if I were attempt to prove it, then it's mandatory circular reasoning. And what circular reasoning is, is proving something by presupposing it already to be true. So the only reason I can prove that I'm talking to you right now is by presupposing that I'm talking to you right now. So it's kind of like, I, you know, it's, there's no way that I can escape the, the, uh, circular reasoning. No, the, I get you. I, there's no way. It's like, I'm a slave to it. So and here's that, the, here's, here's something else that the Tao states. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Men don't need to prove their point. Men who need, need to prove their point aren't wise. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't have to prove that I exist, but um, whether I do or not, doesn't matter. I'm still like, I'm having an experience at this so, moment. So a fundamental question then becomes why give so much credence to this entity called the Tao if it seems to discredit itself where, where I haven't seen it discredit itself. No, no, no I'm, I'm saying the, the point is if the Tao is giving you so many precepts that are absolutes, but it's saying in its apps, in its precepts, it's saying the absolutes are unnecessary. Isn't it discrediting it itself? No, no, I don't think so. It's saying like the precepts, right? Like the manifestation is part of the experience, the space that the manifestation holds is part of the experience, neither are neither can they can't exist separately and they are only here to complete the experience so we are here we are living we are we are both god and we are separate beings right we are god connected to all things 
and we are separate beings. That's a paradox. That's a paradox inherent in the system in, in just the experience of living that we are connected. You and I were connected, you know, spiritually well before we were ever connected on wisdom. We didn't but, know that, but, but it was there. But does it matter to you that according to the Tao that you just read to me, any attempt to prove what you just said will nullify it or will, will disannul it? Doesn't no. doesn't like I like I like it's it it is true. I've seen it. I've I know this to be true in my life. But according to right? the Dao, I've experienced. I've not according to the Tao. Just I mean. So I have twenty years clean and sober tomorrow. Twenty one tomorrow. Oh, twenty one years clean and so, sober tomorrow. And I mean, so a large aspect of this of my sobriety does come from you know does does have to do with the Tao. Um, it, it has helped me understand uh, my life. But I have seen as I follow my heart, like I asked you a little while ago, like, can you sidestep a problem just by being in tune? And that's what it's saying here. When you center your country in the Tao, when you center your body in the Tao, when you center your life in being, Rather than doing, everything gets done. You know, this is an interesting mm -hmm. comment. Um, one thing that I, I do know that I'm, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Were you about to say something? No, 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 no. Please continue. Um, one thing that I recently realized also is some of the belief systems that I've had, which I, I actually align with what you just got finished saying about having the ability to sense or detect your surroundings by way of uh, I, tuning in or frequencies. One thing that I understand about frequencies is that we are driven by frequencies in, in science. Um, you know, the, the, the eardrum, the, the eye, uh, even everything that we touch, everything that we will ever see or touch or feel has resonant frequencies that we interact with on a fundamental basis. And so it makes sense that I can feel certain things about my surroundings based on a scientific premise. And so that confirms a lot of the spiritual things that I understand, that I know that I believe. And again, this was, this was my study that, I'm, that I had to do recently with um, just reconciling what I say I believe with what practically works in life. So I wanted to just let you know that I am on, I'm not dismissing everything that you're saying. No, 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 no. But I think that there is truth here, I just want to, I want to challenge some of the, what I would say, some of the things that seem to be centered around duplicity, where you have to subscribe to something that disannuls itself whenever you attempt to posture yourself like with it, you know, and- Well, it starts, like, I think that starts with the assumption that the person had, like, I'm not disavowing, like, I have a diagnosis of MS, I was bedridden for two months, I like I, I, you know, I'm fine now. But like, that can come back at any time. I know there, there may very well be a time in my life where I'll be crippled. And you know what it was the best thing that's ever happened to me? MS was the best thing that ever happened to you? Yep. Because wow. it, it tightened up my, it, it, it gave me a reason to like be quiet. It gave me a reason to like change my diet. And it, it, like 
like loving yourself through a chronic illness, loving yourself through an illness that can take everything from you. But and the, understanding that I embrace MS. MS is not my enemy. But the problem is using words like best, it alludes to there being a well-defined difference between good and bad, which you're suggesting by this. You're right. It was it was yet another I, experience in my life that 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 got me to understand myself in a deeper way. That's probably like it is it is if you know, we are in once again, we are in an experience of manifestation, right? I'm, I don't deny that. I'm not trying to say, but it's not bad, right? It's not it's not it's not a judgment. It is an experience. And through that experience, I get to not judge it. I get to be here present with it and I get to love it as it is. I'm really enjoying this conversation. I, I Me to too. And I'm really sorry that I have a nine o'clock um, talk on Clubhouse that I'm gonna be doing. So I can't continue to join this, to have you join this conversation, but I okay. really appreciate your, your being here. Absolutely. I really, and, and um, I will probably see if I can find you on Clubhouse, but um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hog it. I'm, I'll let someone else talk. Yeah. yeah, I'll be in the inner room and we're gonna be talking about recovery and stuff. So. All right. All right. My That's best great. to you, man. I really appreciate you coming on and, 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 and talking the doubt. Great. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I want you to have a great day. You too, brother. Okay. That was a lot of fun. I really love talking about the Tao, um, especially when we talk about the Tao in its entirety, not just, not just individual, um, not just individual chapters, but uh, I want each and every one of you to love yourself a little more today. Because, you know, there's always more. There's always more. We are sitting here in a manifestation. We are experiencing the manifestation. And we can't just sit on a cushion every day um, and, and do that. But we have to be present with ourselves. We have, to make, we have to make sure that we're being present here now and listening, paying attention, and, and just, just being here where we are. This is a Recover Yourself production. I'm your host, Martin John. And as always, until next time, Keep recovering yourself.